In today's episode, we spend more time with the word gospel. In our churches, we love to use big words. We obfuscate our pedagogy through superfluous grandiloquence, manifesting hubris instead of demureness. See what I mean? Inconceivable. While I might have a speech impediment, I certainly do not want to have a preach impediment. These get in the way of God's message reaching our hearts and minds. Let's dig through those big words and learn something incredible. Thank you for joining us again on Preach Impediments. This podcast is made possible by EdenHollow.com. And of course, we would love for you to go over there and check out the things happening with Eden Hollow. Today, we have before us the task of digging a little deeper into the concept of the gospel. If you didn't get a chance to listen to the interview with Ben Hall, he really did an extraordinary job talking about what the gospel is and really just the, the broad understanding that we should have about the gospel, that it is not merely a set of books like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, although we do call those the gospels. And it's not just the story of redemption, but it goes beyond that to being the story of him as king and what that means for us, that we must obey him, that there are blessings we can expect as a result of him being our king. Another part that Ben and I got to talk about, but got taken out of the final episode, was the concept that we even have the opportunity to go out and share the message of the gospel, that it is good news and that we are supposed to be proclaimers of good news as people in this kingdom. And, and unfortunately, that part got taken out. I figured we will discuss that some other day when we discuss the word evangelism in the future. But in order to dig a little deeper into the concept of the gospel, I want to share with you something that I came across just a few months ago. Uh, where I labor and work with a group of God's people here in Birmingham, we were going through the Gospel of Luke and talking about the different emphases of Luke as he teaches and the ways in which Luke talks about Jesus uniquely, differently than what the other Gospels talk about. This makes sense as you really dig into a story of the different Gospels, how Matthew being a Jew is writing to a Jewish audience. You see that in a lot of the things that he writes in his gospel, where he doesn't explain the background of what's going on when he talks about some Jewish tradition. You can tell that he expects his readers to have an understanding of those things. So we always talk about Matthew being the, the Jewish apostle who wrote to a Jewish audience. John, also being a Jew, but he seems to be speaking more generally. He's he is handling the concept that Jesus truly did come in the flesh and that he truly was God. We don't know much about Mark, but we do know that Mark seems to focus more on the power of Jesus and the way that he talks about Jesus. And we assume based on many of the things that Mark says that he's speaking to a more Roman audience. And Luke, being more of a historian, academic type writer, he is focused more on talking about who Jesus is and what his mission was as he speaks to some man named Theophilus. Well, in talking about Luke with the Bible class recently, I noticed 
a dramatic difference at the very beginning of the gospel in the way that Luke talks about John the Baptist and in the way he talks about Jesus. Here he tells us what the angel comes down and says to both John's parents and to Jesus's parents in the prediction of their birth. So let me read both of these and I want to see if you can notice the differences also. Here, the angel appears to Zechariah while he's doing his service in the temple. And he says there, Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 13, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will name him John. There will be joy and delight for you, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. And will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. That's the prophecy given about John. And here you have a great emphasis in this prophecy about the effect that John will have, both on his parents, he will be a joy and delight, but also on the people. He will bring about great repentance. He will return the people to their God. He will help the disobedient become righteous. It talks about him being filled with the Holy Spirit, and it compares him to the prophet Elijah. Those are all really incredible aspects of who John was going to be. But if you look a little bit later in the chapter, you have the angel coming to Mary. And he, the angel says, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. It seems that the angel, while talking about John, talks about the fact that he will be somebody who helps the people turn to God, turn to righteousness. He will be like a prophet. He will be a great teacher. He will do all these great things and have a great effect. But with Jesus, the thing that is emphasized more than anything else is that he is king, that he will sit on the throne of David, that he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will have no end. And as you move forward through the gospel of Luke, there is an incredible emphasis on Jesus being the one who is king or Jesus being the one who is bringing a kingdom. He teaches about his kingdom in chapter 4, verse 43, in chapter 8, verse 1, chapter 10, verse 9, chapter 11, verse 20, chapter 17, 21, just to name a few of the places. When Pilate is confronting Jesus, he asks, are you king of the Jews? And Jesus says, you say so. Pilate puts an inscription over Jesus's head that says, this is the king of the Jews. And it seems that the emphasis here is, is that even somebody like Pilate, even somebody who did not belong to the Lord, is recognizing that Jesus is king. Luke emphasizes in his gospel that Jesus is a unique king. Well, that's remarkable to me when you compare that to what Ben shared with us the other day, 
the idea that in Mark's gospel, there is the same emphasis. Right there in Mark chapter 1, if you really break up the first 15 verses or so, you've got this proclamation that Jesus will be king. He is preceded by a herald named John in verse 1 through verse 6. That herald proclaims the superiority of Jesus there in verse 7 and 8. You have Jesus' coronation or his um, revealing to be something special there by baptism in verse 9 and 10. There in verse 11, at the end of the baptism, you have the proclamation that he is the son, that he's the son of God, because the one speaking is speaking from heaven, and that he is shown to be a, a pleasing son of God. Well, again, as Ben pointed out the other day, that that title of being the son of the gods or the son of God was a kingly title that was often attributed to the Caesars. Mark then goes on to say that the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. In verse 12 and 13, he is shown to be victorious over the challenges that he's going to face. It shows that the spirit led him out to the wilderness and the devil tempted him for 40 days, yet he was being strengthened by the angels. We know from other stories he was victorious. Just again and again, Jesus is revealed as king for us in this gospel. Well, that's because the point of the gospel is to reveal that he is truly king. We also talked the other day a lot in the book of Matthew about how there is an emphasis on the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom. Well, right from the very first verses of Matthew's gospel, he's revealing Jesus to be the king. He's called the Messiah. He's called the Savior. Right from the beginning, he's called the Son of David, which reveals him as king. He's the Son of Abraham, which means he is a Jew by all right. Therefore, he is the King of the Jews. Again, at the beginning of Jesus' story, you've got the wise men coming and asking, where is he who has been born King of the Jews? He's told to, to focus many of his parables on the kingdom. You've got the story of him riding into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey and the words, your king is coming to you, mounted on a donkey. And as Ben pointed out the other day, he makes the statement, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me in Matthew 28 verse 18. So Matthew really focuses in on the fact that Jesus is not just a king, but he is the promised king of the Jews that the Jewish people that he was writing to should accept him as king. And again, John's gospel does the exact same thing. It begins with kingly language right from the very beginning, and it goes back to the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So here Jesus is proclaimed as being the Word. Well, for a Greek audience, that would have had the implication that Jesus was the embodiment of wisdom. For the Jews, he is the embodiment of revelation. Well, both are true statements, that Jesus truly is the wisdom and that Jesus truly is God's revelation to the world. And John even continues that idea when you look down in verse 18, no one has ever seen God. 
the one and only Son, who is himself God and is at the Father's side. Well, that goes back to verse 1. He was with God and he was God. But then notice this last phrase in verse 18. This Son, this Jesus, this Word, has revealed the Father. And so the idea that he is not just someone with authority, he's not just someone who came to reveal something to us, he came to reveal the Father to us. In this same passage right at the beginning of John's Gospel, he is called the Creator, he is called the True Light, It says that he came to his own people from the outside. He became flesh even though he wasn't flesh. And when you compare those thoughts with John chapter 18, starting in verse 36, where it says, my kingdom is not of this world. It helps us to realize that he is the king who has come in from the outside to be king forever. So, You take Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four of these gospel stories put an incredible emphasis on the truth that Jesus is king, but it's interesting that they all do it in a slightly different way. Matthew focuses on the fact that he is the promised king, the king for the Jews. Mark spends time talking about the fact that he is a worthy king He has authority and power to rule over all people. Luke spends time talking about the fact that he is a unique king. He is a king, the only one, really, who qualifies as king. And then John's gospel spends time talking about the fact that he is an eternal king. He is the king who is not only from the outside, from somewhere else, but he is something else. He is something even grander and greater than anything we could provide for ourselves. This is our King. This is our Lord. This is the one we follow, the one we love, the one that we obey, the one who brings us blessing, the one who is, honestly, he's the one we should look to for all of our answers. He is the one we should look to whenever we are struggling. He is the King who rescues He is the king who provides, and he is the king who saves. And that's why you have over in Revelation chapter 1, starting in verse 4, where it says, John, to the seven churches in Asia, grace and peace to you from the one who is, who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. John here is helping us to see that he truly is the king, the one we should go to before we go to anybody else. He is the exalted one. He's the one with all authority in heaven and earth. Later in Revelation 17, verse 14, he says, These will make war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will conquer them, because he is Lord of lords and King of kings. Do you hear that? He is the one who is greater, grander, and more amazing than any other. And it says, those who are with him are called, chosen, and faithful. Is that us? Do we recognize him as king? Are we willing to recognize that he is the one 
who truly is faithful. He is the one in whom we should put our trust. He is the one that we should follow and obey. Have you done that? I certainly hope so. He is a worthy king, a loving king. And you see that all through the Bible, both in prophecy in the Old Testament and then in reality, what's been revealed for us in the Gospels is a loving and kind and sacrificial king. And then in the rest of the New Testament, we are shown that he truly is worth following and obeying. Let him be your king if you've not, because he will make all the difference in the world. I hope this podcast has been helpful to you, and I hope that this idea that he is king really sinks into your mind and your heart, because it is only when we finally recognize that he is king that we will experience the blessings that go with belonging to him. He truly is a wonderful and amazing Lord, and I hope you will follow him and let him be in control of your life. If this podcast has been helpful to you, please tell others about it. Let them subscribe. Let them listen to the things you're listening to. And maybe this can make a difference in their life. It is not hard to just tell somebody about good news. And that's what this podcast is hoping to share. The good news that is found in the Bible, that is found, delivered to us from God, a message that we can share with the world. Please do share this with the world. Let them know that there is hope and there is peace and joy and kindness and goodness and faithfulness to be found when we open up God's word together and when we learn from our King Jesus. Until next time.